Praise be to God. Thank you for joining us this morning for our time of the study of the Word. And uh, here we study the Bible and we aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. By the grace of God, we have done 25 books of the Bible. And uh, today we want to continue with our study of the book of Ezekiel. And uh, if you've not been able to listen to all the podcasts we've done straight from the book of Genesis, you can find them on our app, that's Bible In-Depth Network, all. You can find them on all podcast platforms. That is Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, name it. You'll find all podcasts there. And I believe the Lord shall speak to you even as you listen, because there's no limitation to revelation. God reveals his word, friends, to everybody who shows the need. To everyone who wants God to speak to you, he will come and he will speak. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit who is within you, who has been given. And with that, you have assurance that God will speak to you. And uh, today I want us to continue with our study of the book of Ezekiel. And... uh, where we left off uh, last time, we were looking at Tyre, yeah, the kingdom of Tyre that was being judged. There was judgment coming out to them for what they have done, yeah. And uh, when it comes out, it will come to pass. When God says it, it will come to pass. For Tyre itself, we see that Nebuchadnezzar besieged Tyre, yeah, and that happened from a period of 585 to 572 BC. Yeah, that's a period Nebuchadnezzar comes. And remember, they are told as Tyre that you'll be destroyed. Forces will come from the east and they will take charge over you. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar comes, but he did not take charge of Tyre. But rather, Alexander the Great is the one that conquered Tyre in 322 BC. Years after the prophecy, years after Ezekiel spoke, yeah, and when Alexander the Great came, he destroyed this city completely. And uh, you find also Sidon, which was a neighbor to Tyre that we looked at in the past uh, podcast when they were also being told about their judgment. The Persian king Ataxes also conquered Sidon, and uh, in summary, God. The prophecy that came out, yeah, the prophecy that was spoken came to pass. And of course, in the latter days that came on, all these provinces, Sidon and Tyre, became provinces of Rome because eventually Rome comes and takes over from the Greeks, yeah, those were the generals that came after the death of Alexander the Great and, uh, they are also taken over by the Romans. So today we want to continue with chapter 29. And uh, this one now comes to talk of Egypt. It speaks of Egypt. It speaks of judgment that is coming to the nation of Egypt. Remember, judgment has been spelled out for the nations of God. That is Israel and Judah. Israel long gone, now lost 10 tribes. And now Judah, down in captivity in Babylon, that's where Ezekiel speaks from. And uh, judgment is also sent out to the other nations. 
Yeah, because all nations belong to God, that they were worshipping other gods was not making God happy. Also, by fact that they would come out and mock Judah, laugh at them, they were letting themselves get in position of judgment by God himself. So this judgment comes out. And in chapter 29, it's judgment coming out for starters to Egypt. Yeah? And says in the tenth year, in the tenth month, on the twelfth of the month, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and prophesy against him and against all Egypt. Speak and say, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Yeah? The great monster that lies in the midst of his rivers, that has said, My Nile is mine, and I myself have made it. You know, the Nile and Egypt had a very close relationship. They were considered one because all the abundance of Egypt, the crops that were grown, the lifestyle that they had, the trading that would happen were going through the Nile. Yeah, So it was very key for them, even in the time of its inundation, that they make use of it. The flooding or the inundation that it's talked about would bring enough water for them to be able to continue farming, to be able to uh, plant and grow crops and make it on the market. And that was very, very key to them. That in times where that inundation was low and the flood uh, would not come to bring ample water to all of them, then they would have times of starvation. So, these pharaohs equaled themselves to the Nile. They took authority over the Nile. They were speaking and saying, we are the authority, we are the Nile, we are the provider. And if a pharaoh came on, and during their time, there was not enough flooding of the Nile to bring enough water for people to be able to plant and uh, water their crops and farm, then that pharaoh was considered to have a curse on them. So in a very short time, you would find that they have opposition from you because they would say the gods are not with you. You are not the Nile to us. So you need to leave. You're causing uh, poverty to us. You're causing famine to us. Also, even in the side of uh, a trade, because there were close cities along the Nile on the banks that they would trade and uh, they would uh, take the goods via the water and trade to the other cities. And of course, if there's not enough uh, flooding or water in the Nile, you wouldn't have the ships or the boats move well. So it was clear that all this uh, authority that the Pharaoh had had something attached to the Nile. So they will come out and say, I am the Nile. The Nile is mine. Yeah. If it is doing well and uh, there is enough water, the Pharaoh feels is doing well. If there is not enough water, then there is a curse upon them. Now he's speaking to this Pharaoh saying, you have said that my Nile is mine and I myself have made it. I will put hooks in your jaws and make the fish of your rivers cling to your scales. Since you say you're the Nile, 
you belong there. That's what I'm going to do for you. That's what the prophecy says. And I'll bring you out of the midst of your rivers. And all the fish of your rivers will cling to your scales. I will abandon you to the wilderness. You and all the fish of your rivers, you will fall on the open field. You will not be brought together or gathered. I have given you for food to the beasts of the earth and to the birds of the sky. Then all the inhabitants of Egypt will know that I am the Lord because they have been only a staff made of reed to the house of Israel. When they took hold of you with a hand, you broke and tore all their hands. And when they leaned on you, you broke and made all their loins quick. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring upon you a sword, and I will cut off from you man and beast. The land of Egypt will be, become a desolation and a waste. He's saying, for what you've done to Israel, remember, Israel's time with Egypt does not end in the Exodus. No, even after, long time after, their alliances with Egypt, when they're being attacked by Babylon, people run to Egypt from Judah to have refuge there. And, of course, as expected, they were treated in a similar manner like they were in the past. They were treated with a harsh treatment by the Egyptians. And God says, because of the way you've treated my people, yeah, I will, I will judge you as Egypt. And it says, the land of Egypt will become a desolation and a waste. And this we shall see one time when we are getting into the history of the eastern nations. We shall look at them and see, because it's key to look at the books of history for you to understand the Bible well. Yeah, Sometimes we just read the Bible, but it's key for us to even get into the books of history. You enter the books of the history of Egypt and learn the books of the history of Israel. And learn what exactly happened at that time and what are they talking about. And we shall get to that to see how Egypt fell. Yeah? How Egypt fell to the ground that they could not even recover again after years. Yeah? We shall look at the fact that Egypt actually once again became captors of Israelites. The Israelites went back to Egypt for a second captivity that is marked and well known in the history, save that of Moses. But now, there's a second captivity that happened and how they were set free thanks to their decision to translate the scriptures from Hebrew to Greek because the Greeks through the Ptolemies were the ones that were running affairs in Egypt at that time. And they are the ones actually who took the Israelites into captivity and after their translation of the books of the Israelites, they made a decision to set them free of captivity, paid a ransom to everyone who had a slave of an Israelite and told them, you're free to go. You're no longer slaves. But we shall look into that history soon. And in this, at this point, God is saying, because you say the Nile is mine and I've made it, you're taking the things I've made and you're calling them yours. It's key for us to know that everything belongs to God. All creation belongs to God. Everything that has been made is made by God and belongs to God. No one takes credit over it. No one comes and claims it. 
But the Pharaoh did so. And God saying, you're going to know now. It is mine. I made it. Therefore, behold, I'm against you and I'm against your rivers. And I'll make the land of Egypt an utter waste and desolation from Migdor to Siyan and even to the border of Ethiopia. A man's foot will not pass through it and the foot of a beast will not pass through it and it will not be inhabited for 40 years, giving them a period in which that land is going to be desolate. So I'll make the land of Egypt a desolation in the midst of desolated lands and her cities in the midst of cities that are laid to waste will be desolate 40 years. And I'll scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them among the lands. This time we shall look at it comes to pass because through the empires, through the empires, Babylon as, as, as the superpower, they still had some authority. When the Persians came, they still had some authority. When the Greeks came, of course, the Greeks came now and became pharaohs in Egypt. Yeah, but still, with the last uh, Ptolemy, who is known as Cleopatra, when she dies and the Romans take over, it was like the blow, the real blow, the final blow for Egypt. And when the Romans took over, Egypt does not rise again to become a big nation. So we shall look at all these periods. Yeah, For thus says the Lord, at the end of the 40 years, I will gather the Egyptians from the peoples among whom they were scattered. Same statement he makes for the Israelites, the Israelites, remember he said, I'll gather you from all the nations and I'll bring you back and make you a nation. Something that happens, we looked at in 1948 when Israel is becoming a nation again after such a scattering. He makes a similar promise to the people of Egypt and says, I will gather you. I'll bring you back wherever you've been scattered. And that's the authority of God. Because somebody may say, how does God do that for a nation that does not worship him? They are his people. And through this, they can learn. We see the world right now that the word of God has spread. People worship the almighty God. It's not just Israel. All across, across the, the globe, there is worship for the almighty God. In Egypt, they worship the almighty God. There are churches there that worship the almighty God. In all other nations... From all corners of the earth, you find people who worship God. But those are people who have a history of serving the sun, the moon, worshiping all idols that have been set up. But the power of God moves over because God created all and he desires that all worship him and him alone. So when he says, I'll pick you from where you've been scattered as Egypt and bring you back, that seems gracious. Just like it sounded gracious for the people of Israel, it sounds gracious for the people of Egypt. And there's total consideration for the people of Egypt in this case. And when God says, I'll consider you, I'll bring you back, that's good news for them. That's news that brings hope that they know God shall one time consider us and bring, bring us back home. It's not just uh, the good news for Israel. But also these, he speaks and says, I will bring you back. So, he goes ahead and uh, tells them, I will turn the fortunes of Egypt and make them return to the land of Pathros, to the land of their origin. Yeah, God is speaking, saying, I will bring you back to your land. Do not worry. Do not be afraid. And I will bring back your fortunes. Yeah? But then, he adds, there there will be a lowly kingdom. 
they won't rise up again. They won't get back again on their feet. That will be the end of you. It will be the lowest of the kingdoms and it will never again lift itself above the nations. I will make them so small that they will not rule over the nations. And it will never again be the confidence of the house of Israel, bringing to mind the iniquity of their having turned to Egypt. Remember, Egypt, by the way, was a strong force in history for many years. Hundreds and hundreds of years. Egypt was a force. Thousands of years. Egypt was a major force in the affairs of the world. And until the Romans come, Egypt still had influence. Great men, emperors, were killed in Egypt, trying to run there for refuge or trying to go there to try to conquer. So Egypt was a great nation. But here God says, because even the Israelites were running there for refuge, they will stop. Israel had a tendency, when things are bad back home, to go back to Egypt to find refuge. But he says, even that in which you try to find refuge, it shall not be up again. It will be so low among the kingdoms that nothing shall even cause you to go back. So he's telling them, now in the 27th year, in the first month, on the first month of the, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made his army labor hard against Tyre. That is what we looked at when we were starting this episode, this discussion today. That Nebuchadnezzar went on to attack Tyre, but they fought for years. Yeah, this is why they say here, he made his army labor hard against Tyre. Every head was made bald and every shoulder was rubbed bare. But he and his army had no wages from Tyre for the labor that he had performed against it. Yeah, For all the years that they kept on fighting yeah, to bring down Tyre. Tyre is a nation, remember, that is on the banks of the waters. It is a power in trade. Yeah? And uh, for over a period, because he besieged them, from 585 yeah to 5 from 572 to 585 that's all a period that they are fighting that's about 13 years i think and they were fighting tire but not overcoming it that's what they are referring to here that they are weary hmm? they've done a lot they've fought a lot but they've not overcome tire says Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will give the land of Egypt to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He says, Well, your fight against Tyre hasn't succeeded, but Egypt is yours. Of course, after Babylon, Egypt uh, still had some might, though through the Greek leaders. Their native leaders didn't come back into much power. And those are the ones that probably could be talked about here, that for you as the natives, this land is gone. I will give you conquerors who come and become pharaohs in your own land, yet they are not natives of Egypt. But now Babylon is promised, Nebuchadnezzar is promised this leadership of Egypt and he will carry off her wealth and capture her spoil and seize her plunder and it will be the wages of his army. For their failure to conquer Tyre, which comes on to be conquered by Alexander the Great, they are going to receive Egypt as a spoil. Yeah? 
I have given him the land of Egypt for his labor, which he performed because they acted for me. God is saying Babylon acted for me. Why? They are the ones who fulfilled the punishment that Judah goes through in judgment. They are the ones who are the vessel. They worked for God. On that day I will make a horn sprout for the house of Israel. And I will open your mouth in their midst. They will know that I am the Lord. We shall close with chapter 30, I believe, if we still have some time here. And uh, he goes on and says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord God, Wail, alas, for the day. For the day is near. Even the day of the Lord is near. It will be a day of clouds, a time of doom for the nations. A sword will come upon Egypt, and anguish will be in Ethiopia. When the slain fall in Egypt, they take away her wealth, and her foundations are torn down. Ethiopia, Put, Lud, and all Arabia, Libya, and the people of the land that is in the league will fall by the sword. Yeah. Thus says the Lord, Indeed, those who support Egypt will fall, and the pride of her power will come down. From Migdal to Sien, they will fall within her by the sword, declares the Lord. He's saying those who are allies with Egypt, those who look to Egypt as their help, who run to Egypt for help, they'll suffer. Now, Association with people who have been judged is very risky because it claims your own life. Association with sin, association with those who oppress can bring trouble to you. Oppressors, that you're part of them, that you ally with them, that they're part of you, brings a certain judgment even to you. And... Uh, for these nations that are mentioned here, they are saying, because you put your hope in Egypt, because you people of Ethiopia, you people of Lud, you people of Port, Arabia, Libya, because you support Egypt, you fall with them. Now, which people do we flock with? Which people do we support? Do you stand with those that are oppressed or you stand with the oppressors? Because when you stand with oppressors, when you stand with those that are judged, when you stand with people who hurt others, you are at a risk of judgment, of that own judgment that that person or that nation is receiving. You're part of it. When Egypt is judged, the word here says, even the nations that support it will fall under the same judgment. Yeah? And that's what they are told here. And they are told they will be desolate in the midst of the desolated lands. When Egypt has been desolate, you surrounding it, you supporting it are also going to become desolate. And her cities will be in the midst of devastated cities. Yeah. So they will destroy those who support. Then they will also come and destroy you. And they will know that I am the Lord. When I set a fire in Egypt and all her helpers are broken. On that day, messengers will go forth from me in ships to frighten, secure Ethiopia, 
and anguish will be on them as on the day of Egypt, for behold, it comes. Yeah? Those who are coming to cause chaos in Egypt will pass by Ethiopia and tell them we are coming for you as well. Thus says the Lord, and I will also make the hordes of Egypt seize by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Yeah? He and his people with him, the most ruthless of the nations, will be brought in to destroy the land. And they will draw their swords against Egypt and fill the land with the slain. Moreover, I will make the Nile canals dry and sell the land into the hands of evil men. And I will make the land desolate and all that is in it by the hands of strangers. I, the Lord, have spoken. He's saying he will make the Nile dry. Now the pharaohs felt the Nile is theirs. So if it is flooded in its time of inundation, then the luck is on their side. They are the gods they've caused it. But God makes it clear that he's the one who causes it to have water. He's the one who causes it to flood that the people may have food. So he's the one who's providing for them. In respect of the fact that they have other gods they worship, he's providing for them. He lets it rain everywhere. In the good camp and in the evil camp, they all receive his benefits. But that does not mean he supports what they do. He's just being gracious to them, waiting for a point of return. And that's why sometimes we say, God is still providing for me. It doesn't matter what I do. Even when I'm walking in an, an evil life, I still get all I need. I still get provisions. But God will provide for you. That does not mean he agrees with you. And now, with the Pharaohs speaking and saying they're the ones who control the Nile, God says, I will dry it up. So that you know it's not even about you. And I'm sending Nebuchadnezzar to receive his victory. The victory he had to get in Tyre that he didn't get. Because it was Alexander the Great who got that victory. He's going to get it here in Egypt. And he's going to tear you down. And from that period, the natives do not rise up in power again. Because the foreigners come and they just capture their entire government over years and to the time of the Romans, even the foreigners fall, that there is nothing left to speak of Egypt. Yeah, They fall to the ground. So he goes on and tells them, I've spoken. I also will destroy the idols and make the images cease from Memphis. And they will no longer be a prince in the land of Egypt. And I will put fear in the land of Egypt. I will make Pathros desolate. Set a fire in Zoan and execute judgments on Tebs. I will pour out my wrath on Sin, the stronghold of Egypt. I'll also cut off the hordes of Tebs. I will set a fire in Egypt. Sin will write in anguish. Tebs will be breached. And Memphis will have distresses daily. The young men of On and Pibeth will fall by the sword, and the women will go into captivity. In Tafanes, the day will be dark when I break the yoke bars of Egypt. Then the pride of her power will seize in her. A cloud will cover her, and her daughters will go into captivity. Thus, I will execute judgments on Egypt, and they will know that I am God. What is saying you will know who I am? In the eleventh year, in the first month, on the seventh of the month, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, I have broken the arm of Pharaoh king of Egypt, and behold, it has not been bound up for healing 
or wrapped up with bandage, that it may be strong to hold the sword. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against Pharaoh king of Egypt, and I'll break his arms, both the strong and the broken, and I'll make the sword fall on his hand. I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them among the lands. For I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon. That is Nebuchadnezzar that he's talking about. And put my sword in his hand and I will break the arms of Pharaoh so that he will groan before him with the groanings of a wounded man. Thus I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon. But the arms of Pharaoh will fall. Then they will know that I am the Lord. I will put my sword into the hand of the king of Babylon and he stretches it out against the land of Egypt when I scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them among the lands. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Dispersion is coming. Defeat is coming. And Egypt is going to fall by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. He's a superpower then. He's ruling affairs. Is a man in charge, and Egypt has just been given to him as a spoil for his failure to conquer Tyre. He's been given Egypt. Judgment always comes to nations that don't walk with God. We have not seen a nation that was stable and walking with God, and it has been judged. It's those that have left the Lord and have decided to do their own things that eventually get judgment. What is your life like? Are you walking with God? Or you've taken a decision to do other things? Because if you do that, you are prone to judgment. Let's set our eyes on the Lord and do that which pleases Him. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you guide us, lead us, and help us walk a life that honors you. We exhort you and give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray.